When you realize what your future can be, you want to do it right. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs, plus personalized support from success coaches, so you can get to the future that's right for you. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And I am Kelvin Thompson. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hi, Kelvin. Sup, Tom. Sup. Sup. I haven't heard sup in a while. What's up? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be very, it's a very retro episode (laughs) of TopCast. Yeah, yeah. What? Hey, what? What's? What else? Uh, where's the beef? Um, <laughs> that lady was three hundred years old doing that <laughs> Wendy's commercial. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Yeah, how far back can we go? I gotta make the donuts. The donuts. That's an older one. Yeah, the donuts. Plop yeah. plop, fizz fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Yeah, that's. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Um, but you know, you know what goes really well with donuts. <laughs> As long Tell as you're me. talking about donuts, it's Tell me. coffee. Is that right? Coffee goes well with donuts, so I'm told. I yeah. was thinking it was maybe going to be antacids. but yeah. <laughs> Both, both perhaps, yeah. But, you know, we may not have any, any crullers and, uh, you know, glazed in front of us here, but we do have coffee. We do have coffee, and uh, we should say for those who have just joined us recently, we do bill this show as a collegial conversation over a shared cup of coffee about digital teaching and learning, online teaching and learning, blended teaching and learning. And uh, that's that's why we talk about coffee, not antacids. No. Yeah. Right. And coffee is sort of our shtick. Yes. It's more your shtick than mine. I drink it. I, I'm the beneficiary of your shtick. Shared shtick. Yeah. Um, so, Kelvin, mm-hmm. uh, what is in the thermos today? Today's coffee, Tom, is a single origin Kenya from a processing facility, which they call a factory, which is interesting because it sounds bad, but it's, it's you know, it's like a, it's a facility. There's, you know, there's outside areas and it's nice, uh, known as Karim, Karimikui, I think is how you say it, in the foothills of Mount Kenya. So this coffee comes to us from Cat and Cloud Coffee in Santa Cruz, California. And of tangential interest, I'll note that uh, two of Cat and Cloud's founders have a weekly podcast that started a couple of months after TopCast back in 2015. I haven't listened to it yet, but I, I put it on my subscription thing to see what it's like. So I liked the brief mission statement of Cat and Cloud Coffee. They say that their mission is to inspire connection by creating memorable experiences. Inspire connection by creating memorable experiences. Yes, okay. That's right. So. What do you think of the coffee, and what do you think of possibly, maybe, a connection, connection. to today's episode? Okay. Um, well, as usual, you you brew a good cup of coffee. I'm enjoying this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then, as far as the the connection, all right. So I'm I'm thinking it has to do with the the word connection mm-hmm. and and creating memorable experience, the motto from mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. from the Cat and Cloud Coffee Company. Yes, that's right. So, um, you know, we are talking about trying to create intentional, mm-hmm. memorable, mm-hmm. educational experiences mm-hmm. today. So mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe maybe that's where, where there's a, a connection. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was thinking of, um, particularly as it relates to 
the in-person encounters uh, within uh, an otherwise blended learning experience. Because extending recent discussions about onlineness back in episode 111 and impact on students back in episode 113, we're going to extend that to a similar consideration about blended learning. And this is, as we've noted before, this is especially important amidst current modality flux, see episode 97. Mm. But so episode 97 um, is about modality flux, but it's mm -hmm. also, this isn't like the first time we've talked about blended yeah. learning on this podcast. We, we've done it a bunch. Right? A bunch. Yeah. A bunch. I mean, we could go, we could go, and it might not be bad to call back some of these things because we might touch on some elements, but each of those past episodes was a treatment unto itself of of particular angles. Um, so maybe we'll name a few, um, more recent to least recent. Back in episode 91, we talked about intermodal learning. How do you move from one modality to another? Episode 85, blended is the future, and it's not just courses. Hmm. Uh, episode 77, which was back during our field report era, was the last of the field reports. Field report number eight, strategic blended learning in COVID times. And way back, even I'll skip all the way back. We had Norm Vaughn on an episode back in 29, you know, talking about uh, designing better, blended learning. But even the two that started it all, the back-to-back -back episodes, episode three and four, were kind of foundational, you know, finding the sweet spot between faculty preferences and institutional goals in blended learning yeah. and and the, the homage to hot shots, <laughs> blended learning part de designing the optimal blend. Yeah, and, I, I'm, and I'm wondering too, I'm thinking back to the interview we did with, um, with Charles Graham. Mm -hmm. And I know we talked about research and questions of consequence, but- you Touched know, on. Charles well. is yeah. really- he's a, he's a world-class A blended researcher. learning expert. Yeah, yeah that's he, true. He knows what he's doing. I literally connected somebody to Charles this week. <laughs> I kid you not. Yeah. And I said, you know, this is Dr. Charles Graham. He's one of the foremost experts in blended learning research in the world. Yep. You guys have a nice conversation. <laughs> Take it from here. Yes, that's, yeah. That's right. So cool. Um, so you know what we're what we're thinking about in today's episode is how like now in this very in this in this mm -hmm. moment, kind of coming out of the pandemic, um, you know how do we focus on these essential characteristics of mm -hmm. blendedness, mm -hmm. like we talked about onlineness mm -hmm. in, in a previous episode that yeah. that can kind of best benefit students, best. Um, ensure that all our faculty are on the same page yes. when they're when they're designing courses and they're yeah. they're having conversations that we're not talking about different things. Yep. I don't know, maybe I can share an anecdote. It seems like this happens all the time. Mm -hmm. um, not quite so much here anymore, but it, it it has resuscitated kind of post pandemic a little bit. It had gone away for a while. Mm -hmm. But this idea of like what is a blended course? Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of questions about flipped versus yeah. blended. Mm -hmm. And are, some people may define a flipped course as a blended course. Mm -hmm. We don't here. Mm -mm. We will call it, it's a, it's a regular face-to-face -face course using a mm -hmm. flipped model of instruction mm -hmm. because it doesn't reduce any of the mm -hmm. seat time mm -hmm. and replace it with online mm -hmm. elements. So for us, that's the definition of, of blended. But that that whole question of flipped versus mm -hmm. blended is still out there, and and maybe there's a legitimate difference of opinion on whether or not that should be called a blended course. 
yeah, I mean, we could we could follow that um, that little that little trail for a while because I think there are. It sort of depends on your framing, right? Because like your framing, just to use this example, you said because there's no reduction in seat time, it's not blended. If you employed a flipped strategy in an otherwise reduced seat time course, it could be a special case of right. blended. Dep- right. Depends. Yeah. So maybe it's like, you know, flipped is like adaptive learning. Mm. It's it's a it's a treatment that can be applied towards multiple modalities. Yes. No, that's yeah. that's 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 exactly right. That's exactly right. So how would you define blended if that's sort of where <laughs> I was going? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I do. I have to work at Pithy. I don't really do it all that well. But I do occasionally trot out uh, a definition. So I've been saying for a while now that blended learning is the strategic combination of in-person and online in which the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. That's what that's what I've been saying, and and I guess I'll say this about that. Um, you go well. That's not all that precise. I've been saying this lately too. <laughs> that uh, here's what I'll say about modality definitions. Definitions should be broad enough to allow for variation and dare I say innovation, while specific enough to guide practice. Yeah, let's put that on the wall. Uh, I think that's true. I mean, that's the sweet spot of a of a modality definition yes. or almost any definition. That's right. You know, we've struggled with this because yes. we had to kind of rethink our modality definitions coming out of the pandemic with the with the explosion of synchronous instruction and um how do you capture that succinctly mm-hmm. but comprehensively enough mm-hmm. so that it, it kind of addresses both ends of the spectrum that you're talking about specific enough to define what it is but broad enough so that you don't box it in yeah and i think your example of like the flip thing fits right in there right it's sort of Okay. Well, does it meet the other criteria? You know, does it, if somebody wanted to employ flipped, you know, in a blended framework, they mm-hmm. certainly could. I was listening to a podcast just last night that happened. I wasn't because I was like trying to cram for the doing the homework for for today's episode or anything, <laughs> but it happened to touch on blended or they referred to hybrid uh, courses. And and in the midst of their discussion, uh, they the flipped thing came up and they gave uh, they gave the example of you know this kind of rudimentary. Uh, you, you watch the content videos, um, you know, online, and then you come into the class and you kind of do these active learning things. And and one of the other uh, speakers said, "Yeah, fine, but we can do better than that." Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so then she made a in an argument for, you know, how how can we bring about active learning? You know, throughout the course, and how can we integrate the, you know, the the two component submodalities, and and mm-hmm. she had you know very good things to, you know, to say about that. Uh, but I thought that was a very good. There, she saw kind of a continuum, right? Kind of a less sophisticated to more sophisticated, rudimentary. You got the parts there, yeah. respect to the sum of the parts, versus ooh, now you're now you're doing something new. You know, I think all of this is is touching on kind of what's been a theme for us lately the last several episodes anyway um which is this concept of intentionality and designs yes, yes. so a blended course i think as a at its blendedness of mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. the blendedness of a blended course mm-hmm. is that some of it's online and some of it's face to face you know and, and everything around that uh, is details execution Mm -hmm. and um, how those two 
modalities interact with each other is where the magic happens, yes. right? It's mm -hmm. it, That's the intentionality of the design. Mm -hmm. It's what makes it a quality. I mean, we've talked about this in some of these previous episodes, so just to kind of briefly recap, but mm -hmm. you know, we've had um, a lot of success here with blended courses. They're arguably our most successful modality yep. with the highest student outcomes, the lowest withdrawal rates, mm -hmm. the highest uh, end of course evaluations, mm -hmm. all of it. Blended mm -hmm. does better, yep. but I think it's because we invest in intentional quality design and work with our faculty. Yeah. Because without that, blended courses have the potential to be the absolute worst. Oh yes. You know that. You know the two big examples are one is that you just end up covering the same material in two modalities. Oh, yeah. You know, right. so do your online discussions mm -hmm. and then come in the into the classroom and do your classroom discussions or watch mm -hmm. the lectures online and come on and, and you're going to get like, it's terrible if you're doing just that. Yeah. And the other is uh, a faculty member that's used to teaching a face-to-face -face course and doesn't want to take anything out of the face-to-face -face component <laughs> yeah, and right. then just adds online elements yes. and you end up with a course and a half's yeah. worth of material and that's, that's right. equally bad too. That's right. So, you know, it's intentionality yeah. that leads to to the quality um, and, and how those two modalities work together uh, in, in its essential blendedness. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's right. And, you know, not unlike our onlineness episode, as you mentioned before, episode 111, the reason that blendedness, this topic today, is so important is considering it and thinking about the design and the teaching process has direct impact on our students, those those decisions that we make. Uh, so if, if blendedness becomes kind of our North Star, mm -hmm. then that should lead to good outcomes. And, and if we misstep, then we have reason to think that that's going to be less good. So... I, you know, I, I jotted down a couple of things that I, I think are related to like the student thing, like arguably online courses, right, provide the most flexibility for students, uh, time and space, mm -hmm. uh, or if it's a synchronous online, then at least space. space. Yeah. <laughs> Blended certainly affords more flexibility than a than a 100% in-person class, if we're talking about a reduction in, mm -hmm. in class meeting times. Um, and then there's some some related uh, points. Like even pre-pandemic, there was a lot of student interest in Blended. Our, our colleague, Dr. Patsy Moskal, I dusted off. Uh, she had shared uh, last year with me this 2019 ECAR study. And uh, in, in that, of this study of undergraduates, 56% of undergraduates preferred Blended. That is some kind of a blend. Again, there's a range, right? Right. But not purely in person, not yeah. purely online. 56%. That's not nothing. And yeah. I'm of the opinion that that's even higher now. I agree. You know, coming out of the pandemic. I agree. Yeah. And if you even look at the the meta study that was done by Barbara yeah. Means with SRI right. back back in the day. Back in the day. Um, you know, they, they found something something similar where that, yeah. that the outcomes were higher in blended yeah. courses than in online or face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we've certainly seen that preference from students. And if we can speculate, you know, it, it kind of offers you a lot of the conveniences of online, mm -hmm. but also all of the kind of social interaction of face-to-face. -face. You get mm -hmm. a little bit of both, and, mm -hmm. um, and and that seems to be attractive to students. Now, I'm of the opinion, I think that folks like us, you and me, our listeners, I think we probably care about all those affordances, 
maybe more than uh, students themselves do. I, I suspect that most students are probably just looking at at the scheduling aspect, right? That, uh, oh, this one meets less in the classroom than that one does. So I can, you know, or uh, this was, I think we talked about one of these uh, in our scenario back in uh, in our um, uh, season eight kickoff episode, the three students you might meet in your online course. You know, this one student in that profile generally didn't like to take fully online courses, yeah. right? And so you could go, well, I don't want to do fully online, but I, I like I like having some some reduction in my seat time. That's probably what a lot of students are motivated yeah. by, I, I think. But we all care about the fact that if you do it right, we're going to do so much better by the students who are in the right, class. Right. Well, and what we found through our digital learning course redesign pro- project was mm-hmm. that um, the majority of what, what we were working on, and albeit it was with departments and colleges that we hadn't engaged with as deeply as some others, mm-hmm. mostly in the STEM fields, right. maybe they, who weren't quite ready to go 100% online or maybe pedagogically couldn't because of mm-hmm. what they were teaching. We had a, a huge interest in blended learning through that project. Yeah, no, no doubt. Now, I do think, from a, again, from a student perspective, I think what's useful for us to, to acknowledge, though, is students might not care about all the nuance or even out of the outcomes. Oh, did you know you're, you're, you're likely to succeed at a better rate? You know, that's going to be lost on them. But, but the clarification of expectations, the whys, I think are really important. Like, and you can see this in some of the blended learning professional practice literature uh, as well. The articulation like in uh, the syllabus, course materials of like, especially if you don't do a lot of blended at your institution, why is this course blended? Why, why are we doing this meeting less and doing stuff on, you know, online? And even this is a blended course, you know, front and center. And the technologies that you're planning to use, why are you using those? And, you know, the, the methods, the, the relationship between what you're going to be doing in person versus what you're doing on getting all that up front and clear, mm-hmm. that will lead to success. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, it's funny too because I don't think there's any one answer to that. No. I mean, there are institutional reasons why you would want blended, you know, yes, maximizing right. classroom space right. and your schedule efficiency and utilization and all that. And, and those are real answers from yes. an administrative standpoint, but from that's a right. pedagogical standpoint, you know, I've been asked, you know, what what part of my course should go online and what part should go face? Should I do my discussions online mm-hmm, so the mm-hmm. quiet people actually have an opportunity to yeah. you know, contribute? And, right. and the answer is, it depends, yeah. right? You mm-hmm. know, what's your what are your objectives? What's mm-hmm. your own personal instructional mm-hmm. style? As, as long as you're intentional about it, you can make almost anything work. Mm-hmm. You just have to make sure that they're complementary. Um, you know, thinking back to the some of the work you did on our blended learning toolkit, the idea of this mix map, mm-hmm. where you map out ahead of time what content is taught online, what content is face to face, and how they mix together in yeah. a in a cohesive, again, intentional way. No, that that that's exactly right. That that's all that's all exactly right. And and again, I, you you alluded to this. Uh, <laughs> this isn't new. <laughs> right. <laughs> there is there is a just like online learning, there is a body of literature surrounded uh, surrounding blended learning. Um, so it's not just a COVID-19 era thing, uh, but we do need 
we've been talking a lot about this here, we do need continued scholarship on the subject in order to foster the benefits of, of innovation. But we'd be remiss if we didn't make a shout out to folks like you already mentioned, uh, Dr. Charles Graham from Brigham right. Young, uh, Data's uh, Dr. Tanya Justin. Tanya's at uh, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Uh, our own UCF's uh, Dr. Patsy Jubin. Patsy Jubin, good Lord. <laughs> our own Dr. Patsy Moskal and Dr. Chuck Jubin. Chuck Moskal, Patsy Jubin. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, they they look so so much alike. I can see why you make no, that confusion. Yeah, well, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kid. Yeah, no. Those who know Chuck and Patsy know that's not true. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. But they're longtime collaborators. Yes. yes. And, and, and see, and even their names get blended. <laughs> There's a there's a, a, a mixed map right there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, the flux, the modality flux thing. I'll throw this out there again. Um, I do think that the ongoing, um, what I refer to lately as the dual mode simulcasting of mm. in-person classes via a Zoom channel uh, that some people want to erroneously label high flex, I think that has confused the the blended and hybrid and all that yeah. thing too. Yeah, that's another one that I've gotten asked about um, th this idea of the you know high flex or you know mm -hmm. we we actually spent a lot of time during the pandemic uh, we did a whole episode on talking about our blend flex model mm -hmm. which was our own kind of you know modified high flex that we did during the pandemic. And you know in in by kind of a a, a pure definitional basis, yeah, it's a blended course. It's kind of a blended course, but it doesn't really fit our mm -hmm. intentional design, high quality kind of ethos that we try to mm -hmm. put forward when when we we are doing, you know, what we call mixed mode instruction, yeah, right. um, but you know, others call hybrid, others call blended. Yeah, right. Certainly, blended would be the generic term, and. Um, yeah, I think the only thing I would say about that is I think we talked about this a little bit before we hit record. Most of our modalities, I would say, are, as you said, intentionally designed. They are intentionally designed cohort experiences. The Those various iterations of what some people are calling hybrid or high flex, maybe it's high flex with a lowercase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not exactly real Beatty-esque right. <laughs> high flex, um, but they are not cohort experiences, right? Because they involve so much student choice, somebody could be completely not in the classroom, right? Um, or be completely in the classroom. Now, the real, the real um, Brian Beatty kind of thing, that they are really well mapped out pathways. It's, a, it's an elegant, intentionally designed thing, but it's not a cohort experience. Right. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting observation. You mentioned that kind of as we were as we were preparing that some student because of the agency they have in a high flex course could be 100% online. Yeah. Right. Or they could be 100% face to face. Mm -hmm. And neither one of those is a blended experience. Mm -mm. So, is it then a blended course? But it could be, yeah, right? And in be. fact, probably there are very few students who do either one of those. They yeah, imagine right. that they would probably show up at some, least part of the time yeah. or be online part of the time. That'd be my guess. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that that's an interesting definition breaker. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how does that fit? What if, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's almost like too, when we were, when we were talking about our, our, our adaptive learning initiative, there are some publisher tools that are, have adaptive functionality, mm -hmm. but the fact that you don't have to use it, 
mm-hmm. right? They might just use it as a homework machine or a, uh, I don't know, a, an ebook or something. And in that case, is it an adaptive platform? Well, technically, it's an adaptive platform, but it's not being used in an adaptive way. Yeah, right, you know? right, right, right. You you're not having an, ad, an adaptive experience. Exactly, right. So maybe you're not having a blended experience in a high-flex course. If a tree falls <laughs> in the forest and no one is there to hear it. Yeah, something like something that. Something like that, the experience. Um, I, I was trying to decide whether we should say anything about some of these um, key blended learning principles that we haven't already touched. I don't want to go over ground that we've already covered, but I do sometimes um, think we'd be remiss not to plug some points. And I think maybe the one that I'll plug is faculty and students need appropriate preparation to do blended well. You know, we just talked about experience. To have a, a really good blended experience, you need right. good preparation. Yeah, agreed. And there's, of course, a lot under that, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the faculty development orientations or yeah. just, you know, it, it all comes back to intentionality mm-hmm. and, and quality. Yeah. It's it's not just saying, okay, I'm going to put my, my lectures online and my discussions in the classroom mm-hmm. or vice versa. There's, there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, I, you know, we can't say this enough. Uh, blended doesn't have, generally speaking, really good outcomes because you put a blended label on it. Right. <laughs> right. It's because of all the intentionality and the 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 capturing the affordances <laughs> of that that whole that's greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah. But yet there's still tremendous potential for for blended learning for a lot of, you know, pedagogical yeah. institutional yeah. reasons mm-hmm. um, that even your residential focused mm-hmm. liberal arts campus in the middle of you know, countryside somewhere mm-hmm. uh, could benefit from blended learning, um, even if they're not interested particularly in an online strategy. You know, blended learning yeah. can be a solution. I-, I taught a blended class in the evenings. It started out as a face-to-face class, but mm-hmm. I-, I probably talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, everybody was tired. It was like four <laughs> hours once a week. And, you know, everybody had worked all day, including me. And you come in and you teach it or you sit there trying to absorb it. Um, it just it was too much. So we mm-hmm. turned it into a blended class, not to save, you know, to maximize the room capacity issues or the utilization issues, but it was really just kind of a, a workload thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. plus it was a writing class and you wanted them to actually write things. Um, and that's not a good use of their time to sit in class writing. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's right. There's There, there are many... Um, benefits that accrue to a variety of stakeholders through blended learning. I think most students probably don't care about all those things. Uh, again, I think they're probably just looking at the schedule, but but clarity uh, and intentionality will will nevertheless benefit the students if we if we carry it out well, I think. Yeah. Do you, all right. So I'm looking at the bottom of my coffee mug uh-huh. and the and the timer sort of rolling down. Uh-huh. You want to you want to take a shot at kind of trying to land the plane. Right, trying to land the plane. Yeah. Spill the coffee. Uh, empty the cup. I don't know. We need a better metaphor. Different metaphor. Maybe not better. Different. Sure. Uh, how about this one? Cultivating widespread awareness of the tenets of blendedness can help students and faculty reap the benefits of this specialized dimension of online education. We'd claim blended within the online family. We do. And as with other kinds of online courses, though, getting it wrong will negatively impact students. 
Amen. As uh, yeah, as with other kinds of online courses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so before we wrap up, mm-hmm. um, I would like to try a plug. Plug away, Tom. I will plug away. So we got a uh, a comment on Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. um, from Jim Gepperth. I hope I'm pronouncing it. I think so. Gepperth, Gepperth, mm-hmm. from Lakewood University. Forgive me, Jim, if I got mm-hmm. that wrong. And uh, Jim said, thank you, Tom and Calvin, for continuing the conversation of how best to deliver online education. I've shared this podcast with my colleagues, and we talk about topics frequently. It's good to know that our challenges and successes are similar to those of colleagues everywhere. Mm -hmm. It is good to know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you, Jim. That's nice of you to say. We appreciate the feedback. Mm -hmm. And um, to all of you who are listening, um, there's an opportunity for you to rate and review Mm -hmm. the podcast. It's it's helpful for new listeners to kind of find, discover TopCast in the the algorithms. Mm -hmm. So if you don't mind, would you please just uh, take a moment? Click a star rating or multiple star rating <laughs> and write a, a one sentence review noting mm-hmm. the value you find in TopCast. We mm-hmm. would certainly appreciate it. So, Kelvin, thank you for the Kenyan coffee. Yes. It was quite good. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the discussion of blendedness. Mm-hmm. Until next time, for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya.